Welcome back to the Study with the Ant podcast. In a few previous podcasts, we've talked a little bit about the life of David, um, him as a shepherd and then as a soldier. So today we want to talk about David, and for sake of uh, using S's, uh, we're going to talk about David as sovereign. Kind of um, a little bit of what led up to that, and then um, some things that took place during his reign as king. So, with no further ado, let's get right into that. So, we we first hear that David has the ability to become king in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses um oh what verse is that? Uh starting in like verse uh 2 actually, just right at the beginning of the chapter. Because a man has come from the the battlefield claiming to come from the battlefield that he has seen that Saul has died in fact this man claims that he assisted Saul in dying which going back to second first Samuel reading some there we know that is not the case but David doesn't know this necessarily so David asks some questions about the man, uh, of the man, trying to find out, you know, is this the case? Is Saul actually dead? And the man, uh, you know, he's, he's a stranger. He's an Amalekite, he sa- it says. But he was very proud of the fact that he had helped David, uh, is the impression that I get. He's very proud that he had helped David, that he had um, helped Saul die so that David now could be king. And um, David says in verse 14 of 2 Samuel chapter 1, And David said unto him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And then in verse 16, Thy blood be upon thy head, for thy mouth hath testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. David knew that he was anointed to take Saul's place. He was aware of this. We've talked about that. But David did not want to, he did not want to kill Saul in order to get this position. He did not think that was right. And he was not impressed that someone else would kill Saul in order that he could have the position. David, you know, while I'm sure there was times where he was confused, frustrated, why am I waiting? He was honestly quite patiently waiting um, for, you know, Saul was the first king. So there, there had been no, you know, no previous kings to know, okay, this is how long the king will reign and then he'll be gone. This was the first king of Israel. So David is very patiently waiting on the Lord and he knows that that's what he needs to do. He is a man after God's own heart. So he's willing to do that. So he's not impressed when someone comes and says, oh, I have killed Saul. No, 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 no. He's not impressed. And the young man is, um, receives the consequences for having killed the king. You can read about that in verse uh, 15 there. So going on from there, David in chapter two, he seeks the Lord's direction. You know, he, he's in a, a kind of strange situation now. It's like, what do you do? He's 
that the king of Israel and Judah is dead. So many military leaders, soldiers, would rush in and take control, take charge, uh, you know, wipe out all of the um, king's family members and, and claim the throne for himself. But David doesn't do this. Uh, what's very interesting is that in chapter 2 of, of 2 Samuel, it says, And it came to pass after this, that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. So he's asking, you, is it okay for me? Because he's been in Ziklag, we read. And so he's asking, is it okay for me to go? You know, he's not, okay, I'm ready to go. It's like, um, Lord, is this what I'm supposed to do? And he asks. And further he asks, Whither shall I go up? And the Lord said unto him, Unto Hebron. So David went up, and when he comes there, uh, in verse 4, And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. So, David, he asked the Lord, oh, Am I supposed to go up? Okay, well, where am I supposed to go up? He doesn't then ask, Am I supposed to have the people anoint me? No, he he just goes to where he's supposed to go, and God places it upon the hearts of the men of Judah, the, the elders of Judah, I imagine, to come and anoint him to be king now over Judah. So he's he's king now over technically probably only one tribe. Uh, I don't know if Benjamin is... No, Benjamin would be separate because of, of Saul's connection. So he's now king over one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Only one. But he went there and he did that. Um, interesting side note real quick. Let me see if I can look up these ver couple of these verses. Um, this is not the only time that David inquired of the Lord. There's several other occasions when he does that. One of them is back in 1 Samuel 23, verses 2 and 4. Um, and David asks... Um, Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said, Go, and smite the Philistines, and save uh, Kelai. Then again he asked, uh, inquired of the Lord yet again, and the Lord answered him, uh, and said, Arise and go, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. So David was very careful to ask the Lord, you know, Am I supposed to go? Is this something I'm supposed to do? So we see it uh, later also in his reign in chapter... Five of Second Samuel, um, again talking about the Philistines, he says, "You shall I go up into the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand?" And the Lord said, "Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand." And I think one of the last times we see it in the the chronological order of David's life is in Second um, Samuel twenty one, verse one. Um, and it says, there was a famine in the land, oh sorry, there was a famine in the days of David three years, year after year, and David inquired of the Lord. So he asked, hey Lord, why is this famine happening? So throughout David's life, before he's king, after he's king, we see him inquiring of the Lord. And that's very important because Saul, Saul would go to Samuel. On some occasions, and ask things, but many things he chose to do of his own accord. Now it's in these big things that we are seeing David, um, you know, inquiring, should I go up to fight the Philistines, such and such. But 
I imagine you, if, if in these big instances, because we don't have every instance of David's life, we don't know every single decision he made, every, every word that he said, um, but I imagine if, if God recorded these times that David inquired of him, I imagine that there's even more, that, that David was um, pretty good about inquiring, asking, you know, what decisions should I make? Am I making the right decision? Uh, and we see that from the beginning throughout his reign, so that uh, the connection with the Lord and uh, the fact of his willingness to, to ask the Lord what he should do continues throughout his reign. Now, I think it's significant that David didn't run to the, to the leaders and demand to be anointed king. He, he very patiently awaited, waited and inquired of the Lord first. And I think that's important. Uh, moving on to 2 Samuel chapter 5 here. Um, we got to talk a little bit about what takes place between 2 Samuel chapter 1 and 2 Samuel chapter 2. So let me try to give you a brief synopsis of what's going on here. So David was, from my understanding, David was 30 years old when he was anointed king of Judah. But there is a gap of seven years before he is anointed king over all Israel. Now, Judah was, of course, loyal to their own. He was from Judah, so they were eager to anoint him as king. But across the border in Israel, Abner, who uh, we, we talked a little bit about, uh, he's the captain of Saul's army. And he escaped from the same fate that Saul and Jonathan um, met. And so he decides to prop up Saul's son Ishbotheth. Try to say that five times five times fast, Ish Bothshith, and maketh him king of Israel. So Abner is now, you know, there's two kings. For the first time now, we, we went from one king to now the nation is divided, and there, this is the first instance of two kings. So we have David and Judah and Ishbothshith over the rest of Israel. But really it sounds like the one leading and running things is Abner. And Abner becomes angry with Ishbosheth uh, because of, I forget exactly what happened, something that happened and Abner was upset. So he begins to communicate with David um, with the intent to turn the tables on Ishbosheth and give Israel to David. So this is his, his plan. He's scheming, he's working on a plan. But... There's a problem with his plan, and the problem is the fact that Abner was the, the, the captain of Saul's army, and Joab is the captain of David's army. And there's some contention there, because Abner had killed Joab's brother, I believe it was his younger brother even, and um, that didn't work out so well. So, as well as not trusting Abner... Joab wanted to get revenge, and he took revenge by killing Abner. So now this, this in-between person who is going to bring the nation together, he's gone. And Ishbosheth is still king. But this leads to a string of events where Ibosheth was killed by men who were um, captains of the band in his army. So they turned on Ishbosheth. Then those men came to David with the news of his... Uh, the, the king of Israel's death, and they expect David to be happy, to bless them. Um, well, 
going back a few moments to that story in chapter one where the the young Amalekite comes and says, "Hey, I helped kill, I helped uh, Saul end his life." Um, Saul is not happy. He, he was not happy that these men had turned on their leader and that they had killed him. And so those men met the same fate as the young Amalekites who had come with such joy and, and zeal to tell David that Saul was dead. So David did not look look well on you killing the king's and the Lord's anointed or uh, taking the life of a ruler. That was not something that David was um, pleased with, happy with, celebr- would celebrate. So people misjudged um, David and what his reaction would be in this situation. But in chapter 5, all of these things happened. And again, without David having to do anything, the... Um, it says, Then came all the tribes of Israel to David and to Hebron, and spake, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, thou was he that led us out and brought us in Israel. And the Lord said to thee, Thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be a captain over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king to Hebron, and King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. And it says David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in, Ju- uh, and in Jerusalem, he reigned 30 and three years over all Israel and Judah. So this shepherd boy that his father didn't call to the feast, thought it was too insignificant to be at a feast with the prophet Samuel, is now king over all of Israel and Judah, over God's people. He, the man after God's own heart, is now the ruler of this nation. What's interesting is that David was anointed on three separate occasions. So, going back to 1 Samuel, we see that David was anointed in 1 Samuel 16 by Saul. And his he was anointed as the replacement for Saul, but that anointing was also kind of, maybe, I would term it as like God's, promise to David that he would be king. It was something that David could look back on with certainty that it wasn't just words told him that, oh, you're going to be the next king. But there was this this act, this ceremony that helped to instill in David the understanding that this is God speaking and this is going to happen. And I think that helped David have the confidence later in life that when things were very uncertain, when he was running for his life from Saul, that he could look back on that time and say, God anointed me king. I don't understand what's happening, but I know God is true because of that thing that happened. So that was significant in David's life. 
The second time David was anointed was in 2 Samuel 2, verse 4. He's anointed by the men of Judah as king of just Judah. So he was accepted first by his own people, by his own family. They accepted him as their king. But yet he was rejected by all the other nation, all the other um, tribes in the nation. But now it all comes together. What God had promised. You Can you imagine, David, he was anointed king of Judah. Do you think he might have wondered, well, is this it? Is this what God anointed me for? That you know, I'm just king of, of Judah? This is all? Or, you know, God, did you forget something? I mean, what's what's going on that I'm, you know, I thought I was going to be king of all Israel. It would have been easy for him to doubt. And I'm sure, you know, being a person, he had questions. He didn't completely understand what was going on, maybe. But we never read of David doubting God. We never read of that. He had, being the man after God's own heart, he was patiently waiting. He had to wait seven and a half years for the complete fulfilling of God's promise and God's anointing for him to be king over all Israel. But that's what takes place in 2 Samuel 5 verse 3, that the elders of Israel come and they anoint him king over all 12 of the tribes of Israel. It would take many, many podcasts to look at everything that took place during the reign of King David. Um, I, I would have to say that his reign, Solomon's reign, and um, perhaps like Hezekiah, there's a couple other ones where there's a lot of information given about the reign, things that took place. Um, Ahab has a lot said about him, but we, there's a lot of information about David because this is kind of the... Not the establishing, but kind of the firming up of the nation of Israel. Things were very tumultuous during the time of Saul. They would be a rather tumultuous, but leading to peace during the time of David. So that ultimately, during the, the reign of Saul, Solomon, things would be very um, calm to the fact that D- Solomon would be able to build the temple, to send out ships to explore, things like that. So things got to the point where it was calmer for Solomon's reign, but that took time to lead up to that. So we're going to look at just a few of the things that um, David did during his reign. So I have a few things listed here. Let me look at them real fast. Uh, so first off, in chapter 5, he establishes Jerusalem as the capital. And that took some work because there was uh, an enemy army uh, enemy people in the Jebusites were living in the capital city of Jerusalem. And so they have to get them all out and they work on doing that. Um, in chapter six, David brings the ark. I believe it had been in Shiloh. I forget where it was. Um, but he brings the ark up to Israel. And we know that that was kind of a fiasco, you um, they carried it on a cart instead of carrying it uh, you know, with people holding it. And so they have to turn aside and leave it in the house of someone for a certain amount of time. And then they you know, get things in the, the correct order and they begin to bring it to Jerusalem. And they place it there and uh, David celebrates and Michael is upset. All kinds of good stuff there. Um, 
Then in chapter 7, we see David talking to Nathan the prophet about how he wants to build a a temple or a house for God, a place to put the ark so it has a permanent dwelling. Because it bothered David. It says, see now I dwell in the house of, in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. He wanted to make more of a, a permanent location for the ark to go. Um, and so David's like, oh yeah, sure. What is in that heart? Do it. But God comes back later, you know, comes to him. God comes to Nathan and tells him, no, you spoke a little hasty. David is not building a house for me, but I will allow his son to do that. So there's some this, uh, misunderstanding there that has to get straightened out. But David accepts that. You know, he wants to build the house. God says no. He accepts that. And rather than being upset, David begins to prepare. He begins to gather timbers and probably skilled people, maybe even designs, and makes it possible so that when Solomon is ready, Solomon can build the temple. Um, throughout throughout the rest of David's life, there's a lot of battles. Um, recovering borders, building garrisons take, a hap- uh, take place a lot in Second Samuel chapter 8 in chapter 9 kind of take a, a side trip where we learn about David keeping his promises he'd made a promise many many years before to uh, Saul's son Jonathan that he would basically be gracious to any of Jonathan's family that were left alive and any members of his family he would do good to them and so when things were a bit calmed down, he, he seeks out and says, is there any yet, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And so they bring to him Mephibosheth and the whole story of Mephibosheth and you know, this kind of the story of salvation. You know, Mephibosheth was living in obscurity and poverty and yet David wants to bring him and, and allow him to live with him in the king's house to care for him. Great story and shows David's uh, mercy and compassion in this. We see in chapter 10 that David fought the, I believe, uh, Ammonites and the Syrians and won, of course. Um, 2 Samuel 11 and 12, we see that David stays behind from a battle that he should have been at and sins, which brings problems not only on his family, but also on his relationship with Joab, relationship with the nation. Things um, begin to spiral a little out of control after this fact. Um, In chapters 13 through 19, we read about David, the king, having to actually flee his capital because his son Absalom is a little out of control, for lack of better words, and is trying to overthrow his father as king, to be uh, turn the hearts of the people of Israel so that he becomes king. And things transpire with that, uh, a fight to the point where Absalom, one a son that David truly loves, he, he was very upset that his son had died, that his son had turned on him. But uh, ultimately, Absalom dies and peace is restored to the kingdom in the end at the end at least towards the end of the recorded uh, time of David's life 
we see that he goes to number the people. And we're not really told why he decides to do this. Why did he decide to number the people? But he sends Joab to go out and count, uh, particularly the military people, the, the fighting soldiers. And so Joab kind of does this, but he, he stops after after so long. But this is this you know, upsets God because you're not supposed to be uh, focused on your troop numbers and how many, um, how strong you are, but you're supposed to be dependent on me. And repercussions come from this. Um, soldiers die, a pestilence is sent from the Lord upon the people, and then David offers um, a sacrifice to the Lord on what we believe will become the uh, place of the temple in the future. Whether this is the exact location or not, I don't know, but it's assumed that this is the location where the temple will be built. In 1 Kings, we see a, a major swing. Um, we see in chapter the, the end of 2 Samuel that David is becoming weak, but then this swing in chapter 1 of 1 Kings, um, sorry. In the end of chapter 24, we see uh, David sinning, doing wrong, getting things right with the Lord. And then we swing to chapter 1 of 1 Kings and we find David a very feeble, very weak, older man. Um, all of those years of battle have, have finally caught up with him to the point where now he is very weak, feeble, and he's not doing very well. To the point where his son Adonijah goes and basically declares himself to be king. He sees his father is weak and he decides that he is going to be king over all of Israel. But that's not what's supposed to happen. And so both Bathsheba and Nathan come and talk to David. And David says, Solomon is going to be the king. And so he sends, sends the priest and Nathan to go and anoint Solomon to be king to be his successor. And then the final words of, of David that we have are his instructions to Solomon. He warns him of people that will cause him trouble. And those people are Joab and Shimei. He reminds him to show kindness to the sons of Barzillai, the um, Gileadite. And he you know, reminds him that to continue... Um, to continue doing what was right, to keep the charge of the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies. So David's final words and instructions to his son, who will become what many consider the wisest man in the world, the wisest king, the wisest person who ever lived. Many people consider him that. Um, these were... In chapter 2 of, of 1 Kings are David's final words, and they're to his son. And then we see in verse 10 that uh, David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the days that David reigned over Israel were 40 years. Seven years reigned he in Hebron, and 30 and 3 years reigned he in Jerusalem. David lived a long, for his time of being a military man, he lived a long life. There's so much we can learn from the life of David. This, these podcasts I've done have been just kind of skimming over the, the truths and the facts about David. 
But we can learn from David about faith, about loyalty, patience. There's so many things that we can learn from the life of David if we are willing to learn from him. And not just to see him as the little boy, who young man who killed the giant Goliath, but to see his reliance on God, his um, turning to the Lord in time of need to, to ask him, what should I do? Where should I go? Is so, so important. It's not just something that, oh, because he was going to be the king he needed to do. It's something that even we today need to be reminded of, to turn and ask the Lord, hey, what should I do? Where should I go? What, What's the next step I'm supposed to take? Um, there's just so much from the life of David. So I hope you enjoy, have enjoyed listening to uh, this podcast about David, how he became king and some things that he did while he was king. Um, if you have any questions, comments, so forth, uh, feel free to send me a message on Instagram at study with the ant, or you can send me an email at study with the ant at AOL. Dot com. I'd be interested in hearing any thoughts you have, uh, whether you think David was the, you know, the best Bible character. Some people, you know, everyone has a, a kind of a favorite Bible character, and many say David. Um, he's definitely one of mine. I don't have one particular favorite. There's there's too many, but David is definitely one of my favorites. So uh, I would enjoy hearing who yours is and what you've learned from the life of David. So until next time, have a great one, and I'll talk to you on the next Study with the Ant podcast.